Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. What's up, beautiful people? Thank you for tuning in into another episode of Creative Habits Podcast. Um, we have a very special guest today, a mixed media artist and designer from Denver, Colorado, currently residing in D.C. Her portrait work features acrylic, decorative paper, hand-dyed paper, fabric, oil, bars, charcoal, pigment, uh, thread, and lino cut stamp. She also creates sculptures and jewelry using metal. Um, this wonderful guest is Zundeka Nzinga. Welcome and thank you for coming to the podcast. Thank you for having me. No problem. Um, so let us know a little bit about yourself and your background and um, what got you into creating art. Um, well, I am a self-taught artist. I, um, I've always loved art. I think I've always had a little, a knack for making things. I've been making things since I was a child. My mom was a seamstress when I was uh, growing up. She was a seamstress and an English teacher, mm. um, growing up. So she taught me how to make quilts and sewing clothes. And she sewed all of her clothes and most of our clothes, um, when we were growing up. So I learned how to sew pretty early on. Um, and then I was like making paper earrings and selling them to the kids when I was in second grade. I got in trouble for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always made things. I think that uh, while I was in college, because uh, I, you know, I was supposed to be an attorney. I went to school for journalism and I was supposed mm-hmm. to go to law school and like be the practical person. And my older brother was an artist. He's an artist as well. So I think my family put a lot into his art and a lot into my education in terms in terms of that expectation that I was going to be an attorney. Um, so I got a job in journalism. I didn't like it and started to like I was drawing on the side. Um, I was a poet. I was a spoken word artist. So I was like touring a lot. And um, I was kind of always drawing on the side. But I started an art festival in um, Aurora, Colorado, a Black art festival. And um, the first year, on the first day, somebody didn't show up and it left a gap in the um in in my festival layout Mm -hmm. and I had to put something there my mom was like go home and just grab some of your paintings and like lay them in the grass so that there's just something there um and so that's the first time that I like publicly showed anybody that I painted Mm -hmm. and I think that from there I just like really fell in love with it it's been the thing that has made me happy and and has kept me going that's really great so how did your parents react when you said um I just want to be an artist. I don't want to be an attorney anymore. Oh, they were devastated. <laughs> um, they were devastated because I was supposed to be um, that person in the family that, you know, mm. I got into a bunch of Ivy League schools and I ended up going to an HBCU. They weren't very happy about that. Mm. Um, but they had put so much into 
into my education. I went to top schools. I was in a lot of different um, extracurricular programs. I was in the, like young attorney programs. I had mentors who were like moving me through college. Like they really put me on that track. Um, and I don't know why they expected any different. Like I've always kind of been a free spirit and I've always kind of been like a person who beats to my own drum. So I don't really know why they thought that that was like going to be a sticking point for me to go like a more traditional route like that, Mm. but they were devastated. Um, and then actually really recently, because now, you know, it works when you start off being an artist, you know, it seems silly. And the expectation is that all artists are like starving. Mm -hmm. And so I think that people are concerned until it works. And so now that it works, they're really proud and they're really happy. But I think that they were very scared. And especially because I'm like the type I would just like pick up and move. So, you know, I just left Denver and I went to I went to New York for a while and then I moved back to Denver and then I went to Virginia for a while and I moved back to Denver. Then I went to Atlanta and then, I, you know, then I moved to D.C. and I just like. So I think they were just kind of like, you're really insane. And <laughs> I, they, I think they hoped that I would like mature out of the like, I'm going to be an artist phase. Um, but now that it works and they see, you know, how I, I run my business, they're really proud. That's really great. Um, so you said that you moved around a lot. Was it kind of like you trying to find yourself? You know, because our parents influenced us since, you know, birth and more than likely they want us to follow a specific path that either they see in us or plan out. So was it like finding yourself, getting away from that and like, I need to figure out who I am as an artist? Um, To be completely honest, Black people. I think Mm. that growing up in um, a city like I grew up in a town just outside of um, Denver. I grew up in Aurora, which is kind of like Silver Springs to D.C. Mm. So Mm. it's like right it's right on the outside, about 15, 20 minutes out of the out of downtown. Um, And I just wanted to be around more Black people. I was really Mm. tired of, um, and like, no offense to any white people. I know some amazing white people, but you know, I crave culture and I wanted to be more around my culture. I think that I had a lot of questions around like, you know, like what is Blackness or what does that mean? Um, And then I went to Hampton and was like, oh, you know, like, okay, Mm -hmm. I I do that. We all do the same things. Like even growing up in a place like where I grew up, culture was like so entrenched in my household. You know, my parents are from Tennessee and Chicago and we ended up in um, Denver via military. So I, you know, that's not where they grew up. So that culture was like already infused in our household. And they did Mm -hmm. a lot to make sure that we were connecting to our culture, but you know, I think that until I left, I didn't really understand that. And I didn't understand the greatness of, of, of what they really did for us um, in terms of raising us like really in touch with who we are as, as black folks and loving and loving that and loving our culture. So I left um, originally to find culture. And you know, my mom always told me college is a good time to go as far away as you can. Cause you know, you have a place to live. You're going to, you know, you have food, you can go to the cafeteria and whatever. So like go far, far away so that you can have that experience. And you're not worried about like having to pay bills and things like that. And so that always stuck with me. So, um, that's, I ended up, I went to Hampton. Um, and then I didn't necessarily care for Hampton. It wasn't, um, it wasn't the experience that I expected that it was going to be. And so, you know, when I left there, 
I just got a lot of like interesting opportunities. Like I was um, touring, doing poetry and I met a lady on the train who her husband had a company in um, San Francisco and they had a home in um, Williamsburg and they would go back and forth every six months. So she was like, do you want to stay at my house while I'm on the other side? And I'm like, okay, cool. So I just was like, you know, I don't have any kids or anything. I'm driving around the country in my car doing poetry shows. Why not? You know, so, so I just went to stay at her house and it was cool. And I had a great time while I was in Brooklyn. And then I went back and um, I was a nanny for another poet for a little while. And just like, you know, it was cool. It was a lot of fun. And then, you know, I went back to Denver and just, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I've kind of always been like a, a go where the spirit leads you type mm. of person. And so, you know, like I was in Denver, I wasn't happy. So I moved back to Virginia. So I was like, you know, well, that was where I started before. So let me try it out. Then, you know, same thing went back and I had a friend then who was in Atlanta and she was like, you're unhappy in Denver. Like, come on, let's just go come to, you know, come, you can stay with me. So I went to Atlanta for a little while, but I always wanted to be in DC. Like my heart, even before I'd ever come to DC, I wanted to be in DC. And so one of my best friends is here and he always had somebody staying with him whenever I was like moving around. And so he called me when I was in Atlanta and he was like, Hey, you know, like my friend who was here just moved out, like, come on. And I was like, okay, like, let's go. And so, you know, we ended up here. I've been here 10 years now. That's really great. Um, I feel that moving around and, and witnessing different cultures is important, especially for artists, you know what I mean? Because it, it grants you a lot of different perspectives on, you know, different realities from different people, you know, and that can greatly influence the artists in their work in a way. Absolutely. And I was able to like, I've had some incredible mentors and incredible opportunities just on that journey. Like when I was in Atlanta, Atlanta was really magical because I, I really, I got out there and I had like this big portfolio of a couple of paintings and I was like, I'm going to get, and I had a, a suitcase of earrings and stuff that I had made. And I was just like, I'm not going to go get a job. I'm going to go and like, do my thing and I'm gonna hustle and just like I'm, I'm gonna be out and people like were so open to me like I was literally on the bus riding through the city I had no idea I had, you know I wasn't really familiar with Atlanta like that I'm on the bus and um this guy is like what's this in your bag and I'm like oh you know it's um art I'm a painter and like I'm trying to figure this out and like I really want to do this full time and you know I, I wasn't great I would have like great pieces that would pop out occasionally but like I wasn't a fantastic painter at that time but I just like I don't know I just felt like that was what I needed to do and so he was like oh look I'll write with you there's a gallery up the street and um, let me take you there so he rides with me to this gallery I walk in and they're having like a meeting and somebody had just left the space. So they were like mm -hmm. interviewing potential people to come into the space. And as these older gentlemen just were like, oh yeah, you know, like, come on, like took me in and gave space and made sure I was safe. Um, one of them, uh, I, I kind of forced him to become my mentor. He was, he was mentoring somebody else. And I was like, I don't care. You're going to mentor me too. So I just started like going to get him fruit and just sitting at the studio, just sitting up under him all day. Like, and so finally he came and he gave me probably the greatest critique ever, which was like, he was like, you don't know anything about color. And I had never 
I didn't know you had to like learn about color. You know, I didn't know I, I like this color and I put it there. I didn't know that there is a way that color works together or against itself. And like, mm-hmm. um, and so that started me on the journey of studying color and learning about how colors work. And I think that that has probably been the thing that's opened me up to the success that I have now is like learning about the colors. That's really great. Um, I'm a firm believer that, well, everything we see around us starting to mind first, right? Um, the cars that we see on the streets, the buildings that we live in, it starts with in the mind first. And a lot of artists or people in general um, become deterred in a way because they feel like that I can't do this or this, that. And when you say you can't, it, you already uh, defeated yourself. You know what I mean? But it seemed like your attitude and your positive mindset set um, these situations in place that helped you advance into your art? Very much. Um, I'm the, I'm a person who, so since I was a kid, a little kid, I've always said that this is my last time coming to earth. Like I'm not doing this again. Mm. Um, and so this time I want to do things my own way. And I think of, of this experience kind of like an algorithm um, mm-hmm. in terms of like, however you like you were talking about how you see how you know it starts in the mind so how whatever you decide that this is experience is going to be the the algorithm or the energy of the universe or whatever language you want to yes. use responds to that and reacts okay. to that so honestly like you could be like i am going to experience an alien invasion and you know what we all could be mm-hmm. like that's absolutely insane that's ridiculous mm-hmm. but the algorithm will respond to that and you might turn 98 and be walking down the street and boom here comes the aliens everybody told you you was goofy your whole life but you set that for yourself mm-hmm. and so that's just that's how I approach everything is I'm just like, well, I want to be an artist. I want to be successful. And so, and not saying that you could just say it and then like, boom, here we go. But then it's like, okay, well, what does it take for that? And I study it and I Mm. like, I learn about it and I ask people and I find and like, how do I get better? How do I apply? Cause I said, this is what I want to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. And, you know, I think the biggest lesson for me has been that it doesn't always look the way that I thought, you know, like I didn't, I, the way I ended up in DC was very different than, you know, what th- there's many ways it could have gone, but it was very different than maybe what I had expected. But then like, boom, here I am. And <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, speaking of DC, even though there is a, a lot of culture, you know, with uh, the food and the people and even the music, um, there's a very small art scene in this district. You know, it's a small city. It's not really that many people. Like a lot of artists usually run into each other or know each other. Um, (laughs) How have you prospered in this area? And do you have like any showcases outside of the city? Like how, how does that work out for you? Yeah, I show in a a lot of places now. Um, I think when I first started, I definitely, one thing that's, that's good about DC is that even though the inner city itself is a small scene, you can access a lot of other scenes pretty quickly. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you can get into Baltimore, you know, in 40 minutes, you can get into, you can apply for stuff that's in Maryland, that's in Virginia, um, you know, and be there pretty quickly. And that has been, I think when I was first starting out, that was really good for me. I did um, a lot of group shows to just kind of, cause I didn't know anybody. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband is also an artist and he's from here. And so, you know, he was taking me to different places and like, you know, we would go on dates to all these different art openings and different galleries and things like that, just kind of being around. And then I started doing a bunch of group shows, but he, being here, you know, you're, because you're able to show in all three places quickly, um, I think that that was really beneficial for me. But um, now I definitely show in a lot of other places. Like um, me and he and I have a show um, that's up in uh, Glenside, Pennsylvania at the Moody Jones Gallery right now. Nice. Um, I have a solo at the Abington Art Center in Pennsylvania that opens in April. Um, I have, we both have solos in Milwaukee right now. I have pieces in Chicago. I'm headlining an art festival in Fort Collins in the summer. Um, so I, you know, now I'm, I'm getting out a little bit of everywhere. I was in um, San Francisco last year. Um, and that's been fun. That's actually been really fun, but I have a big following here. And so like wanting to kind of expand what that looks like, um, has been a really exciting journey. I just had my like debut solo here, um, in December at a gallery art of noise. And it was dope because like, you know, I've been here 10 years and just like thinking about when I first got here, I didn't, and you know, not knowing anybody and you're, I'm doing all these yeah. shows. I've got one piece here, one piece here, one piece here. And then like people packed my joint out and you know, it's Corona. So you kind of never know how it's going to go now with an in-person event and people packed that joint out and then they bought more than half the pieces. And like, just that type of support was just like it was just like a crazy full circle moment to just be like man you know like um I was here and grinding and then the grind like seeing how it pays off and seeing how how many people just like how many people just loved the work and really wanted to come see it in person and like I had some collectors drive down from Philly to get a piece and just like really seeing how people connect when you're when you're working was absolutely beautiful for me what was the feeling you got when you sold your first piece? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> like how, how, were you ecstatic? Was it like a reassuring feeling like okay, I can do this. You know, I can be this artist. You know, I'm going to say this, I'm gonna, I'm going to keep it real. I've I've been I'm selling things is not ever been like a hard thing for me Mm. so I think that I was kind of amused because (laughs) you know like I had at that time I'm sure that the piece wasn't really that good um I'm sure that they probably bought it from from me to like be supportive (laughs) um But, you know, like I can say I can sell you something like I'm, that's one thing that I'm pretty confident in. It's like I can sell. I can sell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always been selling stuff like there's never been a time in my life where I didn't have a hustle for you, where I didn't have so I could whoop something out right now and try to sell it to you. Like I always have had something that I was selling. Um, and so I think that when it, it became the art, I think I was kind of amused. I'm sure that I undersold my first piece probably wasn't for a lot Mm. um I can remember sometimes after that when I was like a little bit starting to like want to take it more serious um I definitely had some like hard moments because um you know when you're selling art especially people don't always see the same value in it that you see Mm. and 
if you've never like gone to an actual art store and bought supplies, like people don't know how much it costs to us to invest in like your supplies and how much paint costs. And when I first started, you know, I was uh, oil, I was using oil paint, which is like mm-hmm. exponentially expensive and you have to, and all the stuff that you have to have to support that. Um, and so I definitely had some like hard moments where like I had a time I sold a painting to somebody. I, I, he was making payments on it and I made the mistake of, of giving him the painting before he was done with his payments. And so mm. he came to like make a payment and he was like, look, can I just give you this? Like, it was like two or $300. He was like, can I give you this $200 and we just be done? But he still owed like maybe 600, but, and I didn't really know what to say, you know, cause I wasn't really like confident in my craft at the time. So, you know, I was kind of like, oh, okay. You know, like, but I remember like going in my house and I was really like devastated by that. And I, you know, and having times where somebody says, I had somebody um, request a painting for a friend for a wedding once. And when I went to drop it off, he was like, I don't like this. I'm not paying for the rest of it. And I was just like, like, I, I'm, wow. I remember having some times like that. But then I also remember getting to a point where I was like, I said what I said, like, it's 5,000, it's 5,000, and that's that on that. And having mm-hmm. somebody be like, well, I'm not paying that, and I didn't care. I was like, okay, well, bye, have a great day. You know, you want some earrings? <laughs> like, if you don't got the money, you don't got the money. I don't even care anymore. Like, I know how much I put into this, and I know the value of it. And, like, you going to pay me or you not going to pay me, I, you know? Um, so I, I think that probably the first, that's probably more memorable for me than, than the first, first painting is the first painting I sold when I like stuck to what I said my price was going to be and, and when somebody appreciated it and didn't give me no grief and paid for it. And then the way that that made me feel like, okay, that, you know, I, I, I could do this. I could, yeah. <laughs> I got to stand on my square. I think it's important for every artist to know what their worth is, you know, very much. And then like who your client is too, mm. you know, like everybody ain't my client. And I think that that understanding of like, I was talking to a lady who, um, she builds brands. She helps people manage their brands at a festival. You know, she just came to my booth and we got to talking. And one thing she said that like really stuck out is like, at the time I had a bunch of like, you know, like I had some earrings that was like five to $7. And she was like, um, she bought a bunch of stuff, but she was like, let me tell you something, sister to sister. She was like, as a brand, you need to decide, are you Walmart? Are you Macy's? Mm. Are you Saks Fifth Avenue? Because right now you got something that's $5 next to something that you asking somebody for $5,000 for. And she was like, that doesn't make any sense branding wise. Like you need to either raise all your prices or lower all your prices. Mm. And that was really stuck with me because my sales, uh, you know, thing at that point was like, oh, I'm trying to have something for everybody, you know, and like really understanding like, no, I can't, I cannot cater to everybody. I need to really like focus on what's my craft and who's the people I want. And I, I, I need people to come in here. That's going to spend five, $10,000. And like, yeah, you know, I might have, have a, you know, other items, but those other items also needs to be like higher end items because like, that's a part of the brand that I'm representing. Mm-hmm. And so like having that conversation with her, it really shifted my approach to like how I talk about my art and how I present my art. You know what I'm saying? Like, why I got my painting on the concrete and I'm asking you to pay this money for it. Like, 
you gotta, you really have to invest in like how everything looks and how everything is set up and how everything is presented when you're asking somebody for a certain amount of money. And really understanding that was like a, a really a deep breakthrough for me because like sometimes people come by and it costs too much for them and that's mm. fine. That's okay. Like everybody don't buy purses from Macy's. Some people buy their purse from Payless mm. and that's fine. That's me. You know, I don't got no Payless merchandise though. <laughs> you, got to, you got to break some bread and that's okay. Like that's the type of brand that art is sometimes. And I think that us understanding that and getting into that mindset is half the battle that and and quality too you know it's it's more quality <laughs> over quantity um you can make seven dollar earrings and sell your ass off till you hit that five thousand or you can really put your thought into a nice painting or a piece and sell that for five thousand you know what i mean right right and that you know and that was the other thing too like i was talking to a brother when i was in atlanta and that's one of the things he was trying to do is he was like well i just keep everything low but and his thing was quantity he was like i'm gonna sell just a whole bunch and you know i was just watching him like man i'm tired like <laughs> i don't got time to make 107 dollar earrings mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm gonna make like 20 really thorough pairs of 60 dollar earrings and get to the same place with like a little bit less of having to like do all this extra razzle dazzle like every you got you wrapping up all these boxes and stuff i can't even (laughs) (laughs) and no shade to like whatever the business method is but i just i was like that ain't me i could do one really great thing and then i need to rest (laughs) I, i definitely agree i definitely agree um, so in your bio, you consider your studio practice to be cultural anthropology. Tell me about that. What does that mean? So uh, my subject matter is focused uh, very largely on uh, Black culture and mm-hmm. or the, the American African culture and my culture and my story. I'm really fascinated by how we, you know, roughly five generations in um america i think that that when i was growing up there was always this like conversation around like there is no such thing as black culture Mm. um and i feel very opposite and i think that some of that has to do with like where i grew up and seeing like the the things that my parents infused in our household and when I left, like experiencing that, like, oh no, all of y'all was doing this at y'all's house. All, all, all of y'all was listening to Aretha Franklin cleaning up on Saturday. Mm-hmm. All of y'all had a room you couldn't go in, go in, you couldn't get on the <laughs> furniture. All of y'all, you know, we got these recipes. Like we have just certain things that, you know, everybody knows what to do when Frankie Beverly and Bay's and uh, Maze comes on. And like, yeah. that is culture. That is something, you know, when I, I go into my people's houses, I'm like, oh, all of us got our little furniture and our African whatevers. And we don't care where Africa is from either. Like we mm-hmm. just have mm-hmm. everything like that's culture. And so my work is very focused on that and very much about like telling that story and giving that that experience to people. So I feel like whoever is looking at my work, if you know, if you want to us, if you if you black like us, you know, you looking at it and you like, man, my auntie's house is just like this. I do a lot of um, 
themes from people's uh, from houses. You know, I'm really into uh, Afro Bohemian interior design aesthetics. I think that that's a big thing for us culturally, and so that's represented a lot in my work. So you know, for us, it's like yeah, you know, er why we all got this same mask, or everybody has this painting, or everybody we all set up like this. And then I think for other cultures, being able to have that experience of like looking at you know what's important and how we set up our spaces and how we how we represent ourselves the way that we wear colors you know my um figurative work often has like real bright colors and a lot of different um fabrics and um, decorative papers and things it's a, a lot of of, of uh, color and textile going on and that's something i think that's like really important to our community you know and mm. how we connect to american culture and to african culture um and so you know my work is is really about telling that story and so in that way i feel like it is this it's anthropology I love that. Um, culture is definitely entrenched in us, even if we don't realize it, you know, um, whether it be somebody starting jazz music or rock and roll music, you know what I mean? Uh, hip hop. Hip hop is one of the most uh, sold entities around the world right now. You know what I mean? It's like black people in America are the hot heartbeat of America, whether we know it or not. Yes, and I think that that's an interesting conversation that's just now really starting to be had of like, when you think about like, what is American culture? And it's like, very obviously to me, it is black culture. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I know that, you know, people don't want to say that, but even looking at like the language and the ways that like African American English vernacular is really the dominant spoken, um, a quote unquote, casual English used between people of all races now like it's mm -hmm. a very they everybody is doing our music now everybody you know people they trying to make their hair not up so they can have afros and locks and stuff now and it's just like man and that's crazy to me because I think about like when I was growing up and you couldn't have locks in school and you couldn't wear certain afro styles in school and like now I'm looking at these white folks like how you get your hair like this Becky like what is going on <laughs> but they just it's but it's very much like we we dominate what is American culture even and so like just really thinking about that, I think is important. I think some of these conversations about the distinctions between um, different black groups, I think that it becomes really important for us to contemplate that because you know, like what we do as black Americans is very succinct and it's very particular, it's very special. Mm. Um, and, it, and, and we can see it going other places and we need to be able to claim that and to, and to have pride in that. I, I love that. and internalize it you know just for example living in dc i grew up in this area like go-go music the percussion is very african you know what i mean and for some reason we were brainwashed into this uh disassociating ourselves with that continent you know what i mean but thank God for social media and, and people coming together that we can control our own narratives and we can, you know, do ancestry and, and really see a reflection of where we come from and, and, and that being inside of us, you know? Very much, very much. And I think, you know, like even, especially, I think we have some really unique complications in how we identify and, and, who it is that that we are as we're looking back in our ancestry and then thinking about a, a lot of our paths to getting to the place that we are where a lot of our families are. I think that we're like a very 
love. I like, I love being black. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't come back as any other thing. Like I love it. And I'm really proud of like, when I'm looking at the history and the lineage, you know, I think that we, we hear an overabundance of negative things. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, yo, many of us have interacted with an elder in our family who wasn't free at some point or whose parents weren't free and like look at where we're at now like this is fire like y'all we are an amazing people and just like I'm just I'm constantly blown away by the ways that we persevere and the ways that we, and then we, and then then we don't just persevere. We put some sauce on it when we do it. We create in these new things and these new genres while we do it. And even just thinking about like in the art scene and the segregation of the art scene of like, Oh, you know, we couldn't get into these white museums and galleries. So we was like, cool, we opened our own. And Mm. like you can, as a Black artist, completely operate from Black museums and Black galleries and Black art shows. You don't even have to like, if you don't want to, you don't have to like cross over into other galleries or to other spaces. And like, that's really dynamic. And that's really amazing to think about. Mm, I love that. Um, What is your creative process like? Um, how do you conceptualize a piece and bring it to like the physical? Man, so it's funny because that's changed over the last um, two or three years. I think that before um, COVID, I was pulling a lot from like outward experiences. So, you know, I might see somebody at a coffee shop and like see how they're sitting and be like, oh, I want to paint that. Or like, I might see somebody and ask them if I can take a picture of them to use as a source photo. Mm. Um, I think that when I, when things shut down, I really had to start pulling from like what's happening at home in my life. And that that was like a really interesting shift. I've always painted like a, a self-portrait here and there. I'm obsessed with Frida Kahlo. I got a Frida Kahlo tattoo. I'm obsessed with her work. Mm. So I always was into like self-portraits and whatnot, but it really became like I'm painting pictures based on how my actual living room looks or like what my actual kids are doing or what my actual, you know, like I asked my husband like, oh, can you sit down? And, and so I could take this picture here, this picture there. Um, which has been interesting because then it's made me really dig deeper into, you know, as we were just talking about anthropology, I think that before I was speaking like widely Mm -hmm. about uh, Black culture, whereas now I think that I'm speaking very personally about what is going on in my life and like what are things that I'm seeing and experiencing and finding value in in the day to day. And so it's a lot of like you know it seems of us at home and and, Mm. and a lot of pictures that are based on my actual family so um I think that what has started happening is like I'll have an experience in my house or I'll see my kids doing something adorable I'll take a picture and I'm just like oh I'm a I know I'm gonna paint this or um I'll have an experience like our anniversary in um 2020 we drove to uh to the to uh the harbor and we had dinner and then we went home and we, there was a riot like 10 minutes away from where we were. Mm. And so I have this painting that's about like, that's absolutely insane that we're like 
eating lobster on the water <laughs> and it's like a riot like around the corner from where we are we didn't even know we didn't hear anything we didn't see anything we just we had we had drove through black lives matter plaza on the way there and nothing was going on it was like empty and then so we to get home and turn on the radio or turn on the tv and it's like fires and whatnot i was yeah. like whoa this is crazy so you know like i painted that or like my husband took a picture, my favorite painting right now, my husband took a picture of our youngest who's three and um, she's sitting on the church steps with her grandma and just like sent me the picture. And I was just like, this is such a, a just beautiful moment that I want other people to like be able to experience. And so I was like, I'm going to paint that. So um, I draw a lot now. I draw things out. I used to freehand paint everything, but now because of the kids really because with kids you have to learn how to create in spurts mm -hmm. and so um so I draw things out now before I start with my sharpie I got my trusty sharpie always <laughs> attached um I draw things out in canvas and the sharpie and um I think that once it's drawn out I start to like plan the um color theory and what what the what the main colors are going to be and I have a uh, probably five or six crates of paper that's like all different decorative paper. I got mm. four boxes and two crates of fabric. It's a mess up in here, my God. Um, <laughs> and then I have like, I like to go, you know, I'll hit the art store if I sell something and just buy every color paint that they have. So I always have all the, I have like all these options. Um, I learned how to uh, marble and dye paper in 2020 so I could make my own paper designs mm. um I do like line of cut carvings and I'll, I'll like dye the paper and then I'll stamp it I'll scan it and print it out and use the same designs again um but I'm always building from like a, a color story and so it might start with you know I, I know what fabric I want to use on the outfit that somebody has on and then from there it's like you know, what's going to make this outfit stand out? What what color should the couch be that's behind them? What what color should the floor be that's behind them? What design can I put? What What is this about? What do I want people to feel? What, if I'm going to get like masks, am I going to make the masks? Am I going to print the masks and like digitally transfer them? Like, what's the overall vibe that I want somebody to come away with? Um, and so, and I think that sometimes I'll see like a fabric or I'll see a paper. Um, I have files and files of, of different source photos and different things that I work from. So I might see a fabric and be like, oh, um, that's going to be a, an evening gown. And then I'll go like find the source photos that fit that I want it to be. A lot of times with source photos, I'm working from uh, if there are pictures of my family, usually that's just one that's that it, I do the picture as it is. Mm -hmm. um, but like I'll build source photos out. So I'll sit on Photoshop for a while and like I might take a dress off one figure. I might take the way another figure is sitting. I might take furniture from two or three different rooms. Like I'm looking at y'all's pictures on Facebook and Instagram when y'all take pictures of your house, you know, I stay <laughs> people's houses. So I might pull your couch these throw pillows, the placement of, you know, and build out uh, a source image to like work from. So it's really, you know, I feel like I'm doing interior design <laughs> and mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. creating mm -hmm. these different, these different stories out of, 
out of the the paper but I, you know it's really a lot about color for me I love I love figuring out what's the main color gonna be and then like how it builds out from there I know this is a pretty um hard question for our artists but what is your favorite color purple purple yeah I love purple hmm. and then like as I've learned the history of purple, it makes me love it even more because it's a very complicated color. It's a hard color to mix. Like when we, when me and my husband got married, our um, wedding colors were purple and teal. And like the cake, you know, she was like, you don't want purple icing on the cake because it's gross. Like it doesn't, <laughs> the way you have to mix it to get like the good color is it becomes nasty because of the way that the dyes interact. And I didn't know that. And so then I started to like learn more about um, the ways that color work or the ways that purple works. And like I was I just sent my husband a video about how purple wasn't in any flags because it was so expensive to make. And then how it accidentally this this um, scientist stumbled upon it and then he made he made it. So now it's accessible to everybody. But like I just love the complication of it and just like it's it's a difficult color to even when you're trying to mix it out yourself like I hate when I run out of purple paint and I need purple because it's so difficult to try to mix down and get an actual purple like it's so much more than just red and blue you know like so purple (laughs) that's okay that was very in-depth um speaking about (laughs) uh children how do you balance your art and raising children because my lady and I have a child that's two now you know especially at that age they're they're really needy like they they have to have that attention how do you balance that um I start putting my kids to the side as soon as they can sit by (laughs) (laughs) like I'm like hey you got to go over there and like get used to figuring out like how to play by yourself and what to do with yourself um I keep space for them like they have uh, walls in our house that they can draw on and that they can mm. paint on. So they just stand next to us. They draw on the back of some of our paintings sometimes. Um, I'll trace them out drawings. Like my my five-year-old, he wants to do all my paintings now. So he's going through this, like, if he gets angry if we don't use the color that he says that he wants in certain places. So I started just drawing them out for him. Like, do it yourself. Like, do your mm. own paintings. Um, the kids love to paint. They love to make stuff. Like my five-year-old, he sat in my collage workshop not too long ago and was in like did a collage. And then he sat in the anime workshop that um, I co-taught with my 12-year-old. So, you know, she does all the anime stuff. So I gave like a history and she taught the lesson. She taught us all how to draw these manga characters. And so I really try to keep them as involved as possible. Um, and I try not to be stressed out about it. Like, and I be fair about you know, like two hour spurts and it's <laughs> like, I could get a good two hours in and then I got to stop um, snacks and like devices. <laughs> it's like, I know we're not supposed to say that, but I'd be like, here, take my phone and go get some snacks. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let me pour you some cereal in a bag, you know, like go sit down over here. Um, but I try to keep them as involved as possible. I show their artwork too. Like when they do stuff, we hang it up. I'll enter their art into a competition if I could get them in it. Um, you know, I've submitted their art to like show shows. My oldest daughter, she won a competition. She had her art on the bus. I've never been on the bus. Like she had her art on the DC city bus. And I'm just mm, like, yo, that's dope. 
you know so i just i try to keep them as involved as possible and they have a lot of fun and i think that i'm it's really fascinating how like especially at like two like the ways that they interact with the art is amazing to watch so i'd be i'd be learning from them like i let them sit down and like Mm -hmm. go ahead and paint too and how they pick the colors and how they arrange the colors of the design is fascinating to me i'm like watching them and watching that freedom and learning from that i love that my uh two-year-old as well because we have to realize that everything to them is is a, a brand new experience you know um I've been on this earth for a little bit, but I feel like not that I know everything, but I've experienced a lot. But just to keep that childlike wander helps me create better art, if that makes sense. Very much. And, you know, like we homeschool. And so we have like Field Trip Friday, for example. And every Friday um, we go to an art museum. The kids love art. Like we went on a trip to... um, Brooklyn last year and randomly that it was a cause exhibit at the Brooklyn Art Museum and I know people hate cause I know they think that that type of art is like uh you know like big Mickey Mouse for with x out eyes I know a lot of people think that that's stupid Mm. yo my kids was fascinated they loved it and they like that experience it made them want to create more art and then me and my husband was in there looking at his paintings like how did he get these colors like this? So now we scan in the painting and we looked it up and we found out that he gets his colors custom mixed from golden. Mm. And like you could call, I didn't know until we were in that museum, yo, you can call golden and they will custom mix your paint for you. And so he has these like neons that are like real, that are brighter than bright. And so now I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> no, you can do I'm gonna go and like get my stuff custom mixed now like so like we we learn from those experiences and it makes us better artists you know we're studying we're taking pictures we're learning things too um and so I think you know when we just getting on their level and and getting open to their experience with they we walked around that museum for like four or five hours and I was surprised with a with a four-year-old and a two-year-old mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I was shocked they loved it and they were just they were fascinated by it there was an exhibit that was like all stuff painted on skateboards and just like then thinking about that like in our own work like how can I incorporate these things that they're interested in and these things that are exciting to them too that's amazing okay we have a few minutes left uh would you like to play a little game called this or that just ask you a few questions you can only choose one okay. uh Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, let's get started. Um, pancakes or waffles? Um, crispy pancakes. Crispy pancakes? Wow. Yes. I like I love a crispy pancake. Waffles have a very like short window of time before they get soggy. And so mm. <laughs> I like I like a crispy breakfast. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Um, puppies or kittens? Puppies. I don't mm. like cats. Cats are too independent. Too independent. Yeah, they walk yeah, around. Who wants the spot. a pet that don't want you around? <laughs> I need you to. You need to bark when I come in the house and like be happy to see me. A cat be like, oh, you. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Um, let's do paint or chalk. Chalk. Paint. Mm. Paint. Chalk is messy. <laughs> okay 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 um 
DC or Atlanta? DC by far. Why is that? Y'all just have like a real funky culture here. And it's real interesting. Y'all have like your own kind of language. Y'all have your <laughs> own music. Y'all have your own, like, just the way the city is. Uh, I just, I, I love it here. And they, everybody, all the men have, like, the most beautiful hair I've ever seen. I just be, like, I love seeing so many, like, masculine brothers with, like, these beautiful lock styles mm. all down the back. I'm, it's just so, it's just gorgeous. I wish y'all all rode horses. I don't even like horses, but I'm just, <laughs> I, love the, uh, I love the bike, the little four-wheeler thing that y'all yeah, be doing yeah, yeah. in the traffic, which is hella dangerous, but I love it. I love when they be blocking traffic with the four-wheelers. I'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, so um, what can we expect from you in the near future? And um, how can someone purchase your art? So um, you can go to terrellartsdc.com and um, you can register for workshops. You could buy art. I got a merchandise line on there. You can do a virtual gallery tour. You can request a price list. Um, and I have like solos galore. So I have mm. a solo opening in uh, Abington, Pennsylvania in April. I'm at VizArts in May. I'm at uh, the Manass or Virginia Art Factory in June. Um, at uh, the, I'm about to do an installation for the Community of Hope Hospital that's opening in March. Um, I'm at the uh, Institute of Health in Bethesda in October. I'm headlining a Beauty and Blackness Art Festival in Fort Collins in September. Um, so it's a lot of places to catch me. I would recommend people subscribing to the website. We send out um, an e-letter every couple of weeks mm. and just kind of update folks on what we got going on. Really nice. Any social media plugs? Oh, yeah. You could definitely follow me um, on Instagram. It's probably best at Sudeka, which is Z-S-U-D-A-Y-K-A. Perfect. Thank you so much. I really uh, uh, love talking to you. So much personality and I love your work. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much again. All right. You have a good rest of the day. You too. Peace.